0: stars at night (laughs) right and everyone stops in place and just goes Did you've been the heart of texas it is stupid and it's it's brilliant it is brilliant
1: recently it was in the past few weeks or a couple months i i found uh
0: sid croft's instagram and he's oh he's pretty active on there really cool And, uh, you mean the gentleman that I falsely accused of being departed? Yes, one of
1: the two <laughs> brothers who are still with us. So this, this scared me. And I, I I'm still, I'm sad to find out the, the truth of what he was actually talking about. But he posted a picture of himself walking alongside somebody who was taller than him, gray hair on the back. And, and he's, all he said in the caption was, I just lost my best friend today. Oh. And I thought, oh no, is it Marty? Did Marty die? Cause I thought it was his brother. It looked like it might be his brother from the back. And I looked I scrolled through the comments. All all his fans knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm. Uh they said, Oh, somebody said Paul. Yeah, I love Paul. I'm so sad oh, that you lost yep. your buddy. Yeah. And and so I thought, what is he talking about? So I had to go and find and, and not long after that I discovered that Paul Rubens had passed away.
0: Literally yesterday. And did you read his uh the message that he he wrote, his Facebook message to his fans that he wrote right before he died? Mm-mm. Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman, just, you know, a huge part of, well, I'd say it doesn't even matter generationally because it's sort of eternal, but specifically our generation is where he was kind of coming up. I love that guy. But yeah, he wrote a, a Facebook post, which basically was like, I'm sorry that I kept a secret from you guys about what I've been dealing with for six years, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I was doing my best uh and basically it was like uh to all my fans he goes your love meant everything to me and i it was my greatest joy was bringing uh is sharing my art with you basically that was it it was just a goodbye but it was tragic that it's like he kind of is like yeah i've got like how much longer i should write a message to my fans cuz he 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 just he passed away last Last night or yesterday yeah. uh, from cancer that no one knew about. I guess his family, of course, and friends probably did know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love him. I, I all the way back to where do you think? Like, what was your first exposure to him? I think for me it was Letterman. Oh, that's a good question. I I, I knew I
1: knew about him before that movie came out. I'm trying yeah. to remember because I, I I had I had watched a show, but I can't remember. Maybe he was on Letterman a few times. I he really was on Letterman actually
0: quite a lot. Yeah, but, uh, I'm sure I must have seen him on around there. Around the same time he was doing his early, late night with Dave Letterman appearances, uh, HBO, which we would have and then not have. I mean, we we had cable and like every now and then. But the Pee Wee Herman show, which was the live, live in quotes, but the video version of his groundlings show which is what established the character yeah and is slightly more mature slightly more for adults they used to show it on hbo all the time that might so be where i saw him. i think it i think i probably saw him on letterman first then mm-hmm. realized oh he's got this thing on hbo that they would just show over and over and over again mm-hmm. and that i mean all, everything the man ever did was funny I mean, even Big Top Pee-Wee, which is uh, considered a flop, there are moments in it that are hilarious because the man is funny. But the very first thing he did, the Pee-Wee Herman show that established the character, he also co-wrote and it co-stars Phil Hartman um, as uh, Captain Carl. It kills me. That HBO thing, which of course is slightly more skewed towards adults, is great. But what was great about the Pee Wee Herman character was how it could be turned into a Saturday morning TV show with the exact same structure as his HBO adults only nightclub act with just a couple of tweaks. Because they kept Jombie, the the mystic head in the box guy, and they had Cowboy Curtis instead of Captain Carl, uh, but they kept Miss Yvonne and all these characters uh, from his original Groundlings cast. And it was like a wildly successful kid's show on Saturday mornings. I loved Pee Wee's Playhouse. That guy was just brilliant, man. And every time he was on Letterman, it was always just... It was so great to watch Dave Letterman just sort of sit there. I mean, he's enjoying it, but it's not his thing. So he's like going... Okay, Pee Wee, what do you got there, <laughs> right. and it's like Pee Wee like bringing out. He literally just brought out weird toys. He goes, "Look at this, Dave! <laughs> <It's>
1: like, <laughs> look at his legs, his legs!"
0: <laughs> and it'd be like a little frog thing that's. <laughs> and Dave's like going, "That's great, Pee Wee." <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved it, and, uh and you know, also the stuff he would do outside of it. I mean, he's mainly known for Pee Wee but I remember him as like this weird asylum guy from um, a Cheech and Chong movie that he keeps showing up going hamburger. Um, (laughs) That's right. And he, he's hilarious in the Buffy, the vampire slayer movie, the movie that kicked off the TV show. He's the, really the main reason to watch it as this like vampiric uh, sidekick. Who's really scary, but also has one of the funniest death scenes ever in a movie. That goes on for like seven minutes. All oh, right, he, yeah. He gets staked, and he's like, going, "Ah, ah!" <laughs> he starts like kicking the wall, <laughs> yeah. and the camera just keeps going. They're like, "No, he's giving us gold. Let him go." It's so good. So, I wonder how Rubens, much of that
1: was 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 improvised in the moment? Oh no, like I think the, it all was. I think like they, the they had no idea how long it was going to go on. Yeah, this and thing? was
0: probably like, "Oh no, this is great. This is great. <laughs> Let him go." Oh, yeah. um so i mean the man was a treasure and yeah it's it's tragic he it was it was something that popped up on my feed while i was um talking to my talking to my mom uh and i was looking at my ipad while i'm on the phone and then a, a little news thing said paul rubens baby herman dead blah blah, blah. and I knew better than to bring it up to my mom because she never thought that guy was funny. Uh, but it hit me really hard. And I was kind of like, Oh, and I, I couldn't really say, mom, this person passed. Cause she would have gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good impression of my mom, by the way, <laughs> finding
1: out that, that uh, Sid, Sid Croft and, and Paul Rubens were, were I didn't even know very, that, but it makes perfect sense. Right. apparently very close friends um, was, yeah, not surprising, but I've been thinking about this because when, because you, you brought you know, Uncle Croc Uncle Croc's block uh yeah. to my attention several months ago and I started we talked Glad about I could it. Help. talked about it on the previous episode. Watching that stuff, it occurred to me like obviously uh Paul Rubens as Pee Wee was inspired by the Croft brothers, but I there's a lot of trappings from the uncle crocs format that whole show with the different characters to keep coming sure. in and out and yeah. different repeated themes. Like you've got the uh, cuckoo Knievel, the, the, this clock yes. where this, this, this little, little bird on a motorcycle shoots out. And it's like, this is so Pee Wee Herman.
0: Well, basically the the whole thing is uh even uncle crocs block and what Pee Wee did. Cause actually, you know, Paul Rubens created Pee Wee in, in his improv classes at the Groundlings, but in the 70s. Like, again, we didn't become aware of Pee Wee Herman until much later, but he was doing the character for a long time. He was basically, just like Uncle Croc's block, they are literally just, they took the classic kid show format, which was Howdy Doody and Bozo the Clown, and they just amped it up and parodied it so yeah uncle croc is also a parody of like the 50s classic uh kids shows where there'd be puppets marionettes talking to humans they all had character names like buffalo bob hey buffalo bob and Clarabelle the clown and all that stuff and here comes uh was it princess minnehaha was the the indian princess sorry native american princess that would show up on uh, howdy doody and stuff so yeah And they would introduce cartoons and then they'd come back, they'd play a game with the kids in the audience, the peanut gallery and all that stuff. So I think it was literally just Paul Rubens was a kid then. Yeah. And then he gets to his twenties and thirties and he's thinking in terms of like, what if I did this sort of chaotic, very subversive take on like a kids' show?
1: But I guess the reason why, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's definitely the influences sent back so far, but the the complete wacky, just completely haphazard and insane aspect of <laughs> Croc's Yes, Puck. yes. I, I it, that that it seemed way crazier than like Captain Kangaroo or. Oh, of course. Yeah. No. Know, it's it's Howdy Doody and all those. Shows. They were
0: they were pumping it up, and and oh. it was also, of course, it, it's all just winky. It's making something that's recognizable for the adults who grew up with yeah. the early stuff, yeah, but also the kids. And also the short attention spans. (laughs) Um, I mean, again, I highly recommend. I think it got. I don't know if it got a DVD release, but the Pee Wee Herman show, which is not Pee Wee's Playhouse or uh, the movies, um, the HBO thing. Yeah, man, it's it's just he structured it like one of those things. They even had like um, the PSA about like a little movie from the fifties about. Don't be a, a, don't be that guy. Be this guy. Don't be the dirty kid. Be this nice, clean kid. And all it is is Pee-wee going, talking over it like it's MST3K. Like, look at the size of that cake! You know, it's all this stuff. And so there's a movie segment, and the whole thing with... There's a, there's a moral and a message to the episode about, uh, oh, Captain Carl doesn't want to admit his crush on Miss Yvonne and all this stuff. And it's just... Uh, It's just brilliant, and again, chaotic, and Looney Tunes, and had he been doing that as uh, a show like Uncle Croc's Block, when he did Pee-wee's Playhouse, same thing, he's like, we can do editing stuff that I couldn't do live. So, you know, they were also copying Laugh-In with, like, I was mentioning the cut-ins with, like, Jonathan Harris and stuff like that, where for no reason, some guy walks in going, did you just see that? Yeah, right what's that? So Wait. I, I, you know, my hat's off genius yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you mind? It's been a long time since I've seen Pee-wee's first movie. It was big adventure, right? Is that yeah. The one, Pee-wee's big one?
0: adventure. Tim I, Burton. I, I haven't that seen it in a, a long time,
1: but it was, it was, uh, yeah, that's right. Tim Burton. I forgot, I forgot that you directed it. I, I just recall that as being like, it's a perfect movie. It was just such a great vehicle for his character to kind of expand out into this, yes. into out the world and get, Yes. In, it was like, Almost like it was kind of a fish out of water thing, but it was almost like he, like the world was the fish out of water, like reacting to his reality. <laughs> you know, well,
0: well, the even the the reality outside of Pee Wee, uh, once he has to go on a search for his bike, it's a hyper cartoony world. It's true. It's just he's (laughs) even more cartoony. Yeah. yeah. So yes, it is a thing where he's still the oddball, but the world around him is a cartoon as well. And it it just, it all worked. It all worked. Uh, It's still like Airplane, a movie that I've seen 50 million times, and I still laugh. Even the lamest jokes in Pee-Wee's Big Adventure are the best ever, and I'm laughing. The The whole thing about uh, literally the pet shop that's on fire, and by the way, it was a Warner Brothers film, so again, a lot of that backlot when he's running around and stuff, I'm like, oh my god, I used to eat lunch in front of that thing but the pet shop that's on fire towards the end. And he runs in and he's pulling out puppies. Uh, he's pulling out the kittens, snakes, yeah. And every time he runs in to get more animals, he runs by this tank full of snakes. snakes he's like, right. Ugh, <laughs> Ugh. and it's this running gag. If he looks at him, he's like, Uh, No, thanks. Uh. But then he's gotten the birds out. He's gotten the hamsters. He's like, run, run. And then finally he runs out two handfuls of snakes. And he just goes, ah, and passes out. And it's just, it's so stupid. And I love every second of it. That movie kills me. And it's another thing. Kids can laugh at Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And it's working on all these winky jokes for adults like at the very end when his movie premieres and (laughs) he's visiting all the supporting characters. They've all come to the premiere, which is at a drive in, which I think is funny. And then there's Rocco, the guy who broke out of prison and he, and he's in a prison truck and he goes, Rocco, I got you your snacks. He goes one foot. uh, He goes one hot dog foot long. (laughs) And you're like going, Oh, and then, (laughs) <laughs> he goes thanks Wee, and then a cop pulls this you know file out of it that's so the wink of the foot long we're like we get what you're getting at but it was to hide a file and the cop pulls it out he goes thanks anyway peewee <laughs> <laughs> my, my no, favorite this is it.
1: by far the silliest but I'm, i think one of the dumbest jokes that just works so well because of the, the way it's executed and it's it is it's like a dad joke where he's in, he's, he's near the Alamo, I think. He's, yes. He finds himself in Texas, and he's on the phone with somebody that yes. can't remember who he's talking to. Yes. And they're like, are you sure you're in Texas, b <laughs> <we>? Hey, let <laughs> me
0: <laughs> say, the stars at night. And everybody turns around and does the clap. And he's like, oh, it's, just, yes. it's people walking by, yeah, and it's like, how do you know you're in Texas? He goes, I'll prove it to you. And then he just goes, the stars at night. <laughs> yeah, right?" And everyone stops in place and just goes, you've been the heart of Texas. <laughs> it is stupid, and it's, it's so brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, I you know, that's something I'm probably – I I need to rewatch. I'll walk, rewatch to, it tonight uh, and just go, man, God bless you, Paul Rubens. Oh, all
1: I don't right. know if I ever actually saw Big Top pee wee, I probably did, but I don't remember.
0: So, I, it, again, it, sadly, Phil Hartman did not join him on the co-writing of that one, and I'm not saying that's why. It, it's – premise is pretty thin but um but then again the first movie is about him getting his bike stolen and him getting his bike
1: back
0: yeah. but it's uh, i remember that the biggest news about it when it was coming out entertainment tonight did a whole piece about peewee's uh, big top peewee was had the world's longest on-screen kiss and he had planned it that way because like He's like, and so they broke a record, and it's him and the Italian actress, who's very cute, and I can't remember her name. But he just thought it would be hilarious that Pee Wee Herman would have the world's longest screen kiss. And it goes on for like two and a half minutes, and the cameras are spinning around. He's just like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty dumb, but uh, again, there are moments that, that crack me up. So, ah, man. Anyway, and yeah. uh, you also brought up Alan Arkin in, uh, in our text. Talk about another comic legend that we lost pretty recently. Um, yeah. And, dude, what can you say about Alan Arkin? This has become our R.I.P. episode. <laughs> yeah. Alan Arkin was a, a, a gosh darn treasure. And I'm sorry for the language. You'll probably have to do one of your weird sound effects on that. But yeah. um, uh, The In-Laws is one of the funniest films ever made. And he also, just pretty much in everything he ever did, he had this thing he could do that no one else could. And it's this perfect deadpan. And it was a deadpan that was both, I'm frustrated, I'm bewildered, I'm angry, and it could say all of that without him actually making any expression whatsoever. Uh... Uh, uh, I just love that guy. And every time he would get his voice would raise, it was always the funniest thing. <laughs> um, I remember the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. That was one of the first things I ever uh, saw him in.
1: I think I may have mentioned that to you when you, we were texting back when he actually passed, which was, I don't know what a month ago. It was a couple months ago. I think. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that always comes to mind when I think of, of Alan Arkin is, is, is that movie Russians are coming and Russians are coming because my dad, had gone to see that movie, you know, when it came out, when was it, 66, 60, it was a 66, 60, mid sixties or something. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. I think it was 67 or 68. Yeah. Okay. Cause I included, <laughs> I included it in my novella length Scooby-Doo, uh, fan fiction, which <laughs> is takes place in the sixties. And I had the Scooby gang watch that in the theater. Well,
1: and this is a story as, as it was told to me by, uh, my dad's, uh, Widow, my my stepmom Debbie and my brother Preston, who was you know eight, seven, eight years old at the time. This was maybe less than a year before my dad passed away. But he suddenly re- something reminded him of that film, which he always loved. And this is yeah, you know, back in two thousand four, two thousand five, or something. And he just remembered that line. And my dad would do this like there would be certain lines that he would just be like exquisitely funny to him, and they would just stick with him. And he would just laugh it to himself <laughs> endlessly whenever anybody brought this up, or it just occurred to him. And the, the line from this movie was, uh, "When when Alan Arkin is is coaching the other Russians on how to to speak, to, yeah, to to, to to go undercover in the small town that they're stranded in, and because you know, um, because they have this plan, to try to uh, evacuate Clear, the street. Yeah, yeah. Emergen- emergency, emergency, everybody to get from street." <laughs> Yeah and, he, yeah, and he coaches them all to say it together, <laughs> and my dad would just go around saying that line and, and just giggling, and and so he he forced he had he had to go and run out to Blockbuster and rent this movie so he could show it to, to Debbie and my little brother.
0: It's hilarious, <laughs> and it, it does pay off because later in the movie they're in like a one of those motorcycles with the sidecars. And Alan Arkin's got, like, a megaphone, and he's literally going, emergency, emergency, please to get from, get from street. street. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. It is. Uh, but Alan Arkin could sell anything. And he was such a good dramatic actor, too, but the just what would kill me is everything, and, of course, the reason in-laws is so damn funny. It's got a great script, but it's it's Peter Falk and him and the the pair of them. Peter Falk being kind of the really insane guy, um, but at the same time trying to play cool, and Alan Arkin being the guy totally caught with it, uh, caught up in all the nonsense and just looking at the guy like my life depends on this guy. This guy is the guy that's going to save me. It was always great, and it just—they're—that's a pairing. The like later when you get you know Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, you're like, this is an unlikely pair, but they are great. The chemistry's mm-hmm. great. Oh god. Man. Um. So yeah, me and Robin. We worshipped Alan Arkin and in-laws and and also, of course, we would quote the same thing from Russians are coming. Russians are coming because it is one of the big punchline lines in that movie. And there are things that Robin and I can just, you know, like cue up from in-laws that will crack each other up. Like the whole thing with the the crazy Latin American dictator who has the uh, the hand puppet. He's like, "Ah, what do you think of him? Oh, he's very handsome. Do you want to give him a kiss? Oh, yes, I want to kiss him. <laughs> and he's just like, God damn it, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and and there's the scene where uh, <laughs> where you got Peter Falk is lying about his his experiences as part of uh, of like you know Doctors Without Borders or something or whatever, and he's just doing the whole thing of like, let me tell you, Shell, break your heart. I was out there with the villagers and they had these tsetse flies the size of eagles. And they would just come swoop in, grab these little brown babies, and just take off with them. And you've got you've got Alan Arkin who's not buying it at all, but just looking at him going <laughs> size of eagles. <laughs> tsetse flies the size of eagles you say <laughs> it's just so it goes i'm telling you it'll break your heart that's terrible it sounds terrible <laughs> so great anyway so um i've now put a referendum on any of my favorite people dying uh it's just no longer allowed i mean who would think
1: after 2016 that this would still be...
0: <laughs>
1: you think everybody's already dead you know we're, yeah. we're <laughs> done with it surely everybody's already dead. yeah Jeez. Are there
0: people in your personal list of gods that you will literally it'll hit you like a truck if they pass? I bet I know one of them.
1: Oh, Paul McCartney or Ringo yep. at this point, like, yep. God damn it, yeah. Because we, it's 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 been ages. I mean, it's it seems it's definitely still kind of fresh for me thinking about George Harrison. Sure, because uh, that happened when we were thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? John Lennon was when we were ten. I 11 know. years old.
0: And I remember the, that was the newscast. I yeah. remember the newscast. Yeah, yeah, it it's, that is, def- those are two that will, of course, hurt really badly. Uh, I was thinking the other day about <laughs> Steve Martin. I mean, again, the guy seems very healthy and uh, only murders in the building the first two seasons, uh, just unbelievably great. It's one of the things where you're happy to see someone that you respect do something really good again instead of like, oh, it's another terrible movie that he took for the money. Instead, you're like, oh, my God, him and Martin Short, they still have it and they're brilliant. But I sit there going, one of these days, I hate to say it, but we'll lose Steve Martin and that'll hurt me, man. Yeah. Well, let's move on to something a little more true. <laughs> yeah. Let's well, talk about life and love and did happiness.
1: You, did you finish watching uh, Secret Invasion? I did, I did. What, what do? You, how do you think? How do you, how do you feel about how it wound up?
0: Well, I don't agree with a lot of the people that say they really fucked up the ending. It was terrible. What I will say is, it did feel a little rushed. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person who's ever going to complain that there's a throwdown between Super Scrolls. I just won't. You're not going to hear me going, well, I didn't want that in my spy adventure. I'm like, no, I want some Super scroll action. I thought all the plot points worked out fine. I do think that after um, a quiet, not quiet, but after an espionage thriller, that one episode where everything just gets solved with bing, bang, bang did Mm -hmm. feel abrupt. Yeah. So I think that they could have... If they had had a couple more episodes and led to this, mm-hmm. it would have felt better.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, but I didn't, I be, didn't
0: hate it. I liked it just fine.
1: Yeah. I, it more, I, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. The, the main thing that stuck out to me after I've won, there were some, i watched some other reviews later. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's things that didn't occur to me in the moment. But the thing, the thing that really bugged me was uh Gaia being left with not only the powers, I mean, we, you know, you talk about a Cap, Captain Marvel and and yes. the current MCU being in, tremendously overpowered, you yes. could argue. Not only does she have her powers. Yes. She's got the powers of every other superhero that we've in the MCU, apparently, uh, essentially, at this point. And then she's she keeps the powers and she's just out there with all these powers now. I'm like, this is way too much. What
0: I believe they will do. Now, uh, for the uh, non-Marvel comics literate and... I envy you. No, uh, (laughs) uh, the Super Skrull, classically, he only had the powers of the Fantastic Four because they were the main baddies for the Skrulls. Humans, I mean, really, every hero or hero team has their, you know, bad guys. Very rarely did Spider-Man fight the Skrulls. I'm sure he did. But the whole thing was... The scrolls really hated the Fantastic Four, so they created the only one, Super Scroll, and they gave him the ability to mimic the powers of the Fantastic Four. So he could stretch like Mr. Fantastic. He could turn into orange rocks like the Thing. He could set himself on fire like the Human Torch. He could become invisible. That's a lot of powers. He can only use one at a time, sure, of course. Um, but this is... Like you said, way overpowered, where it was not only powers that they got from leftover alien races, because they had the Frost Giant, they had Groot. Uh, This is in the show, Secret Invasion. Then Nick Fury hands over, or actually Gaia does, um, the DNA of the entire Avengers, uh, the ones who have powers. Including the Guardians, yeah. Including the Guardians. So that's crazy but I'm sure they're going to work in a back door where it'll be basically like, yeah, you can't hold on to them for long and it'll probably wear off. Then yeah. that will be somewhere down the future because they can't, I mean, I, I like me some Amelia Clark, but I can't have her being like, I could destroy the planet just by breathing on it. Mm, it's yeah. a little too powerful. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they'll work something out like that, but it's all leading. That was another thing people did complain about. They're like, why did we even watch a series when all it is doing is setting stuff up? And I'm like, no, I thought it was a solid story on its own, but we're going to get, it'll spin off into Armor Wars yeah. where Rhodey, um, we still don't know how long he's, he was out of the picture. And they, they clearly
1: want us to be in, asking in, that question. Yeah. Because they, they say, and, you know, agent, agent Ross goes, Oh, yeah, Agent Rhodes, or you know Colonel Rhodes, you've you, you've been in here a long time. Take it yeah, easy. Yeah, a like, long
0: time, and he's he's in the hospital gown, and you're thinking, was it when he like was the Skrull the guy that was getting trained by Tony Stark to use the so that's the big
1: question. It's like did did we did we lose him or did he get captured after his legs, you know, in and in, in Civil War Civil War where he yeah got injured, which means Possibly he, he was in the for, hospital. Right, because he's in. That's what he say. Like, it's the same hospital gown.
0: So he doesn't know anything about the
1: what? the blip the blip wasn't there when tony died which is the thing a lot of people are, are upset Ooh. about so that is upsetting but it it does depend on what they do with the story if well, they just that's if true. they don't do anything with it it'll be annoying but they that could would be do annoying and that
0: would be a missed opportunity yes. but there's nothing wrong with it being upsetting because yeah. secret invasion should have echoes in other words mm-hmm. this all has consequences mm-hmm. and and including at the end of it, one of the gutsiest things they did in that last episode, I gotta say, was literally uh, Fury did everything right by the world and being transparent, and then the president still goes, "We have to kill all of these aliens." Yeah, and he's like, "You, that's not what I was getting at," and so it's got this like the scrolls again are are going to be prompted. To fight for their lives, and it's going to lead to more violence. That's a good good place to leave it. Marvels. It's also setting up Marvels. Uh, I don't, and I love the whole thing at the end where he and his scroll wife. That's certainly not comics, but I love the fact he's got the scroll wife, and he's like, "I need you to help broker a peace agreement with the Cree." Crease scrawled peace agreement. That's so Marvel comics. So it's hard for me to look at that series, which was well done, had some great acting bits all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman, all day long. Oh, yeah. I love Olivia Coleman. Plus she's kind of tied into a Marvel character. She's, uh, she's implied to be like the grand niece or something of union Jack, who was one of the howling commandos. We never saw him as Union Jack, but we saw him in Captain America: The First Avenger, the British Howling Commando guy. He's a Farnsworth. He became Union Jack in the comics, and this woman, Olivia Coleman plays who's the head of MI6 or whatever their their version of the spy organization is. She's a Farnsworth. She's related to the Howling Commando. Oh. This stuff I love, man. Okay, it's cool. just like oh, crack, crack,
1: crack. Get, get, getting back to the uh, the super scroll. You no, know, never harvest, get back. the harvest. uh yeah. Avengers powers that the guy I wound up with. This that, there was some of the stuff. Uh, number one, I'm I'm not a really huge fan. I've never really been fond, even in comics, never been fond of this trope of people taking on other people's powers or losing their powers. You
0: hate Amazo. You can't stand Amazo. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I some of
1: it I like. Obviously, you've got composite Superman who has all the powers of <laughs> of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, and for some reason. Wears half of Batman's cowl and has green just, skin, just to piss off Batman and Superman. And yep. green skin, anyway. But uh, one of the when, when when Olivia, I guess, I guess, uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Drax, the the no, little he, baby Drax, Drax arm. That Drax looks arm. terrible. It looked terrible, but also it's like, aren't those tattoos on his arm that they got transferred via
0: the, the DNA? <laughs> i don't Some think they're supposed to be reason. tattoos i think they're sort of because they're raised up i thought they so, were tribal
1: tattoos that he was that he had so well I since the
0: movies have never bothered to explain if it's ink or it is something yeah, native to right. his people if it's native to his people you can let that one go yeah but, but i, I just will say that, the little tiny drax arm was goofy as hell it, I was, it was like it was why much. would it be scaled down yeah. Like the Super Scroll, one of the fun things is anytime he'd have the thing's arm on his body, it didn't really match. It was literally drawn like the thing's arm. Yeah. So it's this huge thing hanging off the side of the guy. Yep. He's like, <laughs> nope, it's the thing's arm I've got.
1: Boom. What I thought would have been more clever, but probably not as fun. Because I know you say, like, Super Scrolls. I'm not going to say no to Super Scrolls. I know a lot. Of the, I think they, were, they did that for fans like you where they wanted to give yes. fans Super Scrolls. Yes. I think they went a little too far. Yeah, in, no, in I agree. Execution where they
0: gave everybody every, the, every power.
1: One thing I thought would been would have been really cool because they had it all set up, and there is kind of a, a switcheroo, obviously, because we find out it's not Nick; it's it's Gaia, and now she has the powers too. Right. So that that was a big trick. But I, I was, what if what if they did like a Superman 2, where she reverses the effects, so he loses all his powers instead of, and maybe even loses his ability, his scroll ability to shape shift. So he's just like, fuck. He's that'd be completely pretty powerless. Good. Yeah, you know, that'd be that pretty would good.
0: Be less exciting ending, but I think it would be more clever. Or but, um, it could have been something like: not only you're getting their strengths, you're getting their weaknesses, and it would have been cool if, like, for instance, the extremist thing, which came out of Iron Man, two, no, three, three um, like that had a tendency to burn you up from the inside. Mm-hmm. Like it did heal you, but there was also like. It had a negative. What if the combination of those things is like, Oh, he's using Carol Danvers powers at the same time. Extremis is in him, and he blows up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, I would have been okay with something like that. And also I don't like him being dead because she's good and she's a good super scroll. I always like there being only one and him being a bad guy. So, I mean, I like Amelia Clark. I like her being a heroic scroll, but her being the super scroll, and being on the side of good, unless she decides to become another rebel leader because the scrolls are being hunted. I mean, I guess that's a possibility,
1: too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, Kevin Feige hasn't called me in a long time and uh, hasn't gone Sorry. over his plans. <laughs> uh, did you see the trailer for Loki season two that just dropped? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm very, very excited for that show. I
0: am, too. I Oh, the Jonathan Majors thing, man. I know. But still, I'm excited, I am. and I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. And our yeah. and uh, and Continue we've got you. our our friend, uh, Ki, uh, how do I pronounce his name? Kiwon Kwan is that his name? I Short think it's round? Kihi
1: Kwan. Yeah, I'm, Ki-hi I could Kwan. be wrong.
0: But uh, I love him. The addition of him is great. Yeah. More time variance authority. Him bouncing through time. I'm just down for all of it. Yeah. And basically, him going like, we got to fight this guy. Marvel, I'm sure they've got to figure out what to do, but they've already started the train a-rolling towards this whole Kang dynasty thing Mm -hmm. because Kang is the big bad of this next wave, and I Mm -hmm. can't wait. Now, Mm -hmm. if they have to replace the actor, that will be sad. At the same time, the character of Kang and the way they've established him, he's the new threat. I'm all about it. Thanos threatened reality and life. And Kang threatens all of time, and I'm like, these are big, good threats, and I can't wait to see new Avengers go after Kang.
1: What, what of all, uh, um, talking about Loki and Super mm. invasion, all the, all the, uh, mm-hmm. all the uh, Disney Plus. I hate shows. people
0: taking the the Schadenfreude. By the way, the critics, uh, and John has pointed this out a lot. It's been a few years now, pretty much post game everything that marvel does you just have critics yeah yeah, you just get critics lined up going they're finally failing yeah it's like oh they don't have a plan all this stuff is shit and i'm sitting there going look it's not all genius but i've enjoyed every single one of them yeah some are better than others but i've been quantum mania gets shit on i'm like i enjoyed quantum mania it's not a life changer but i enjoyed it i I enjoyed eternals that's the one I'll fight yeah. on a hill for because I yeah. thought, damn, that's a beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking superhero movie. What the hell is your problem, people? I yeah, people are going way too far
1: with this She-Hulk one.
0: She-Hulk is very uneven, but generally, I enjoyed She-Hulk. Oh,
1: and, and all the show, this is what I was getting to, is like quite a few of these series, including the Star Wars series,
0: too. That's a whole other show. That's a whole other show, or, a whole a whole other other show man.
1: whole other uh, franchise. but
0: I still can't wait for Ahsoka, I'm telling you. Oh, Just... yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there does seem to be Oh, that's you said you mentioned the last episode of secret invasion seemed kind of rushed that was yeah. that that's been the case for a lot of these shows that uh, has been a, a and winter soldier and and um, um what was the other one even WandaVision you know was like WandaVision just all the all the way to the last episode they're
0: like then <laughs> just a magic <laughs> fight in the sky <laughs> yeah. but that was complicated uh, by, by secret the pandemic that yes. was the pandemic so yeah, i yeah, don't yeah, yeah.
1: i don't think that was their plan so it's just I'm just wondering what what is it, why do they keep saying
0: okay and we're done with a, with a lot why. of these shows I'll tell you why because story wise they string it along and the episodes will be great but it's a comic book property so there's an expectation built in that there will have to be some hero versus villain fight and the problem is you can't split a fight between two episodes I mean you can but it doesn't have the momentum. So what they're hoping for is that they'll have built up momentum episode to episode. So you're just sitting there waiting for like, yeah, now the big fight's going to happen. And very often at the end of half an hour, you know, you're like, was that it? (laughs) Um, I think they're, they're slightly slave to the, to the tropes and slave to that structure. But even then Usually the writing and acting is so good that okay the fight wasn't amazing, but they'll they'll cap it very well. Like She Hulk, the ending where it gets totally meta and she talks to Kevin the the AI bot that's very mm. funny, and I enjoyed it. I was still sitting there going like, eh. you know, like I guess that's the way you could do it. But we are left with like, okay, so Hulk shows up. This is my son, Scar, and yeah. and she's all canoodling with Matt Murdock, and I'm like, I yeah. like all that, but where are we going?
1: This is where I, I find like I was criticizing Kevin Smith for for having unrealistically specific expectations for indie. Dude, 5. he wanted
0: a rolling boulder.
1: Yeah, he, he he wanted what he wanted, and that he didn't get what he wanted, so he was really upset. He wanted um, like
0: a little bitch. So I think in a part,
1: and now we've all been guilty as fan, as, as comic book fans, as fans of all these characters, we've all made that mistake, yeah. uh, that error in the past, for sure. I did it with star Wars, you know, everybody yeah. did it with last Jedi. Um, although sometimes I think some, ex- sometimes expectations are reasonable. <laughs> sometimes they're not. <laughs> I think with, with she Hulk, it was kind of that thing it was like, well, we, we know she gets very meta and she's very, you know, breaking the third wall.
0: That's kind of from the comics
1: breaking the fourth wall. You know she she's very out very very uh um uh what's what's the other character? Uh,
0: Deadpool. Dead very Deadpoolish, yeah. She's aware but, she's in the comic. Well, not all the time, depending on the the writer. But the thing, it is intrinsic. She's the, done it before. Yeah, so
1: a lot of people knew that was they're probably going to be doing that. But the thing that was frustrating for me in that was like seeing the possibilities of all these, yes. co- these characters, like, and they're yes. just not. The writers weren't interested.
0: Well, in doing it, it takes what away a lot it of. Cool. Yes, that, it, it that, takes away, that, away that, a lot of the stakes. If literally she can go, really, is this the best you guys can do? And mm-hmm. then they go, "Oh, we're just kidding." So it, it's like, were there stakes? Right. Was there actually any? Because Titania, and I thought the cast her well, but Titania is a fearsome villain. And then for the sake of the She-Hulk show, which is a comedy, and I don't mind a sitcom in the Marvel Universe, but and they turn her into a joke. And then I'm like, OK, and there's really never a confrontation. And then, you know, the Hulk shows up and it's it, or they get hulked out and it's a gamma fiend versus gamma person fight. And then it's just like, hold on. Is this really the best you can do? And at that point, you're going, I kind of wanted to watch. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I know it's goofy, the story, but and they're like, no, instead I'm going to go talk to the man in charge and go talk to the AI. Yeah. That it basically does take away any kind of weight. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, okay, anytime she wants, she could just go Thanos, really snapping his fingers. Come on guys. Yeah. And then you're like, well, no, she should be afraid for her life and she should be fighting alongside her side, her cousin. And it should be awesome. Because I did really uh,
1: like the way they did it in the very f- first couple of episodes, where she's training with with Bruce, yeah, and and she talks to the camera for the first time, yes, and he goes, "What?" Like he hears yeah. her, and she's yeah. like, oh. "I love that," because then you can kind of play with that, for like for a
0: long time. Are we in her
1: head? Is yes. it kind of like Miss Marvel, where we're we're seeing her imagination right. exactly being played out?
0: And I thought they would keep it that way, and then it it really did go over the top, basically, with her yeah. going like. Oh, you're just lucky there isn't a commercial break right here. <laughs> I'm in a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> they turn her into like pee-wee. She <laughs> she
1: <She-she-wee-she-wee-hulky. laughs> er, she wee she wee Hulk, She wee hulk woman. No, yeah. She wee hulk
0: woman. <laughs> It was a very I see a new t-shirt design this. coming up. She-wee she- Hulk <laughs> Woman.
1: <laughs> that might be the title of this episode.
0: <laughs> Today's secret word is she-wee Hulk Woman. <laughs>
1: ah! Yeah, maybe, maybe we can use this to wrap wrap up. Okay. The show. All right, I'm ready. I mentioned Superman two earlier mm-hmm. and how the end of Secret Invasion kind of reminded me of that scene. Yeah. Also when Nick Fury
0: pulls off that cellophane uh, S off his uh, <laughs> coat and throws it at the Super scroll, I was like that what? was very evocative. Very evocative. Superman. It felt familiar um, somehow.
1: <laughs> that, that Superman two is like one of those movies where I'm I'm I, I love it, but I'm conflicted because yes. also because I know so much about the backstory, you know, yes. there was supposed to have been Donner's film. And then mm-hmm. we get Donner's cut, and it's actually not as good as, as what we got <laughs> in a way. We, you and I debated this like a while ago. Like yes. Some I of the mean, things that Donner wanted to do. I mean, the fact that
0: they couldn't finish it. Right. But we see the structure that would have been Donner's cut. And I do think the structure works.
1: I remember. I remember you. You had an issue with when you and I were talking about this. I think around the time that the Donner cut was was coming out, mm-hmm. and I met. Yeah, I was mentioned the fact that they were using the the, the test footage or uh, or was audition footage. Yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was test footage, of of the thing where she she shoots him with yeah. a blank and he doesn't realize it's a blank. Yeah, and you had a problem with. There's no way Superman wouldn't have known that she was firing yeah. blanks. Yeah, you know. And I, I kind of get that, too. Um,
0: but that, that happens in comics, too. Uh, there, there's In order to make Superman, well, vulnerable in any way, he cannot be omniscient. Yet, he does have the power to do that. Like, he would have easily, if Lois pulled a gun on him, and the man can move at super speed, that means to him it's not even a surprise it would probably look like it's happening in slow motion and he would have plenty of time to use his x-ray vision and see that it's a blank. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of different ways that you could have written Superman playing along, knowing that it's that, but yeah. Yeah. For the sake of the drama, the sake of the scene, he's just stupid in that scene. And I
1: think, I think one of the reasons why I, I do like the way it plays out better in the, in the actual film. Yeah. Because I think it it was just, you know, that was a test scene. They weren't really making the movie, and they knew it at that point. So the characters aren't really giving their all. When we had right. the really, admittedly, very goofy uh, a thing of him accidentally tr- or tr- you know, tripping into the, the, the fireplace in the hotel room, like,
0: oops, oh, See, oh, again, oops. all of Clark Kent's clumsiness yeah. is purposeful. So that yeah. wasn't really Superman tripping. Right, so well, they, they kind of allude to
1: that. So, did you think maybe you did that on purpose? No, yeah, maybe I, I think
0: he has to have come
1: on. But he, he, both he and, and, um, um,
0: Margo Kidder, Margo
1: Kidder, goddamn, I'm so bad with names. Uh, no,
0: names. it's all right. We're getting old and this happens they're, all the time.
1: They're both, they're both so great in that yes. scene and that, that his, his, where he, he finally, he, he does yeah. that big deep XL and he says, okay, here we go. And he takes yeah. the glasses off. It's just so good. Dude. So See, the thing is, the silliness even when just they... evaporates when, right. you know. Uh,
0: very often they are saved. And this goes for non-superhero things. Very often something that's written not so brilliantly or the direction's bad or the editing. It can be saved. I've seen this happen in so many movies where it's like. Thank God those actors, they're aware this won't work unless I play it this way. Mm -hmm. And then you go, they win you over. Now, afterwards, it's like, yeah, the next day you're like, oh, wait a minute. But they're so good that in the moment you get swept up and all you care about is their emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the plot mechanics. It's like that was just what the writers had to put in there to get to this moment that you want. So it's like you're not going to question it too much. Afterwards, you'll go, "Wait, wait a minute!" <laughs> but in the moment, you're just going like, "This is what I emotionally wanted, and they're giving it to me." Yeah. So audiences can be forgiving, and I have forgiven lots of badly written or badly directed movies.
1: Yeah, because both yeah. of those, those those Superman movies, uh, which in my mind still have not been topped. Dude. I don't know. What, I'm looking really looking for the James Gunn's movie, but I'm like, and he even he he that's one of his favorite movies. He places it very high. On his echelon of favorite films.
0: It's I mean, again, um, uh despite we've we've talked about our nitpicks and uh, yeah. but Superman the movie, as far as encapsulating a character, I it just hasn't it's, been taught.
1: It's incredible, yeah. But yeah, it does have its faults, you know, even
0: Yeah, of course.
1: You've got the crazy Deus Ex Machina thing that happens at the end where he turns back time. All kinds of problems with that. But the, the, again, his performance stuff.
0: sells it. Yeah. Yes, his performance sells it. Dude, there is nothing that rattles me to this day. Now, granted, I'm eight years old the first time I see it. So it, this goes deep. But nothing rattles me like the whole Death of Lois scene and his emotional reaction. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And yeah. then just flying. Because you hey. see in a an invulnerable human. Uh, And not even human, an invulnerable Kryptonian. You see this godlike being and he's torn apart here because he's as vulnerable as any of us. So the important thing with Superman, which I'm sure James Gunn knows, is that unlike what Snyder's view was, you have to show the man is fragile. And it's a, a constant state of control he has to go through to be able to shake someone's hand without crushing it Mm -hmm. to, um, to hold someone or any of that stuff is a constant lessening of himself. Uh, and where it really counts. He is as fragile as any of us, the death of his father, the death of, of his mom later on the, Mm -hmm. and then the death of Lois in that moment, this man reacts and he has to be human otherwise what is the point of a clark kent disguise why isn't he just walking through town in a kryptonian king's outfit going kneel before me yes i am your king hello (laughs) hello and for some reason he has a british accent at that point
1: (laughs) um that is one thing in the donner cut too where we get which is cool we we actually get to see uh uh, marlon brando as we're we're supposed to and there's that scene where he has to Tell he's explaining it to Kalael why he has to keep being Clark Kent, and he, it, yeah. it's just weird to me that he has to. But but why? It's like no, you have to live. I can't forget. You forget what the reasoning is, but you have to live among humans to understand them or something
0: like that. Yeah, and also um, he's basically saying like, look, the L family, we're not tyrants. He's like, even if you think it would be better for them if you just stepped in and took control, that is not how we do things.
1: Yeah. Man, I thought it was bit. bizarre that he that he would need to be convinced.
0: To, yeah, to it is Clark. true
1: because it is such a big part of who he was. It's like, well, he, he grew I'm, up as I'm Clark. like
0: 30 now, and yeah, I mean, it'd be better if I just like told him what to do, right? <laughs> no, my son. No, my <laughs> son. Don't do that here on Krypton. We don't do shit like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she? Say, I, I kind of remember you saying too that. Like, you you were not so fond, even though we, again, it's one of these things where we, we just roll with it because of the execution and the performances, but the whole thing with him having to give up his powers in order to, in yeah. order to have a relationship. Yeah. That was a kind That's of- That's his
0: movie jibber-jabber. Yeah. And I understood it. I mean, I understand why they created that, but at the same time, uh, and it also, of course, is is like how far he's willing to go because he loves this woman. That is nice. But, you know, he should be able to get it on as Superman. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He should be able to get it on.
1: Yeah, mm. I mean Lois and Clark. <laughs> I mean, Lewis, uh, Superman and Lois uh, mm. just went there and didn't. They do. That's one. Th- one very very briefly. I, I've kind of stopped watching the show, even though my mom tells me this latest season is actually pretty good.
0: I saw that one scene of of their Luther showing up in uh, at the farm uh, oh. as just a clip. And I like that actor. I don't know what the, the modern take is, why every time we see Luther and the modern uh, stuff, he's got a beard. Why mm. is Luther always bearded now? But it was a pretty good scene with him basically going like, I was just, in, he basically walks out of prison when he's freed and he walks to Smallville. Like for days and weeks, he walks to Smallville, goes up to the farm and is like, I'm going to make you pay Lois because it's because of you that I was in prison.
1: Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen this. And it's
0: pretty effective. And you've got Clark yeah. standing next to her, like going, hold on, buddy. And mm-hmm. he's like going, just want to let you know, then it's going to happen. And, uh, you won't expect it. It's going to be horrible. It's like, wow. Okay.
1: Well, and the thing I was going to say is that they, in the first season, it's one of the things they do. There's a lot of problems I have with the first few seasons of that show. The writers just, get distracted by a lot of stupid tropes that didn't need to be there. <laughs> but what they do do well is because we you never really seen this. <laughs> I know. What they do execute well uh, is, uh, because we've never seen it in live action before really as Superman being a dad. And yeah, the, he, you get to see by way of him explaining to Jordan, his son who winds up to have powers. Um, yeah. Uh, the the challenges of dealing with these these powers, like because they find out, his, both of his sons find out uh, that wait he's Superman, so he can hear everything. So, so wait, you can always hear and you know what we're doing all the time. And, super, and, super, and Clark's like, well, well yeah, but it's 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 cool, you know. So it's like, <laughs> no, that's totally not cool. Also, they, they talk you know, about he the challenges things. Yes, yeah, yeah. To they, they get into that, like the the challenge of filtering out your super hearing, of dealing with your super strength, and it's just just constant sort of Zen (laughs) effort that he has to do in order to, to, uh, one of the things I really
0: wish, and that is something that is worth exploring. And it's something that I'm very sad that Smallville did not do. Smallville could have been a teen drama with young Clark Kent learning about his powers. He did not need to fight people ever in Smallville. They didn't need to create villains. They could have literally made it the school years of Clark Kent. And yes, maybe in one episode, he's like, how far can I fly? And he ends up in, you know, Uruguay or something. He's like, oh, my God. And then he goes back home. The whole thing is they they decided it had to be superhero-esque and have, like, Mm -hmm. kryptonite-infused villains every week. And it would have been so much better if it had just been uh, Dawson's Creek with a guy who has to conceal the fact he can hear
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the girl he likes say that she doesn't care for him or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just living with these powers and trying right. to cope while his parents are also trying to help him. That's what it could have been. And I would have loved it a lot more, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, now it's a guy like, ah, uh, kryptonite has made me so angry and I'm strong. You're like, great.
1: Yeah, they, that freak of the week thing that that Smallville did, unfortunately, big mistake. Big mistake. Uh, unfortunately, Superman and Lois started doing the same thing, and uh. first. And I was like, why? We're in small. It's bad enough that we're back in Smallville again, anyway. But you're you're again. You're doing the Kryptonite yep. infused superpowered yep. humans, and and also they're using the. But uh, they're they using the I forget. It's it's, it's just taken from the comics as a Kryptonian device. But they use it to give humans Kryptonian powers, basically turn them into Kryptonians. Oh. And so there's a whole army of...
0: Well, there is a Kryptonite in the comics that is the reverse that gives humans Kryptonian powers. But I know it's not a device. I can't remember what color Kryptonite. There's a million colors of Kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. I just hate that. This is, again, this
1: is that that trope.
0: I I, I just
1: don't... I'm not fond of... Plus, I would rather that Superman is
0: living on a meta planet where people occasionally get powers and it has nothing to do with Krypton. It's like, I would much rather he's living in a comic book universe where over there is the flash who got struck by lightning that went Mm -hmm. through chemicals. It's like, that's what I like. It shouldn't just be man. This world would be just as bland as ours. If it weren't for Krypton blowing up, it's like, no, I want, I want all those people. I want reincarnated Egyptian, you know, Pharaohs that come back with wings and it had fly around with a mace. That's what I want. You made me angry again. Thanks, man. Thanks again.
1: That's one of the reasons why I love iron. The first Iron Man so much at the, the beginning of it anyway, yeah. where he takes matters into his own hands and he's going up against real world terrorists yes. instead of other supervillains or whatever. Yeah, And I just love that. He just, fuck it. He just flies all the way across the
0: globe yeah. <laughs> to go take care of this problem on his own.
1: Yeah. And I just, that's one of the, one of the things I think made that first movie so great.
0: I um, mean we do end up with uh Iron Monger at the end but at the same time right. it's it's still connected to the main storyline and it's still an unpowered guy in a big metal suit. Well that's that's the that's the only
1: thing about that movie. I'm not super crazy about I don't really oh, like Oh man, Jared come on. Iron Monger.
0: You get you get Jeff Bridges shouting in you know, like, "Oh, the oh, power."
1: Yeah. I yeah. Love no, it. he's great in it, but I I I just like it when superheroes go against up against real world stuff. So. I like
0: that too, uh, and especially with Iron Man, which didn't know it was kicking off a whole thing. It was basically like, um, fine, you want me to use my tech? Uh, and I'll show you what it can do, and don't mess with friends of mine. You know, you killed my my scientist buddy, and now you're trying to destroy his hometown. No, I'm yeah. just going to fly over there and 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 shoot missiles at you. Yeah, and it's awesome.
1: Yeah, but I guess there's only so many times you can do that too, because that was the first time we yes. got to see him using a lot of his his uh, tricks for the first time.
0: Yes, But still uh, great. Um, it's still, it, great. It, it's but, still yeah. great. It's still probably just uh, a near perfect origin movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. The end. I think it's my I think it's my favorite origin story, and and uh, I think maybe I think I mentioned that before.
0: Yeah, you did. You did. I think
1: it is the best one.
0: It's really, it? really good, especially because we said the same thing before. Just the way that they uh, they made it relevant and modernized it. And you couldn't pick a better hero mm-hmm. because you have to start with a smart guy who makes tech. That's real world to us. Then you can go on to a Norse god. <laughs> then you can go on to gamma-radiated dude. But you start... I mean, obviously, that's not how the Marvel Universe started in the comics, but as far as a cinematic series, we feel familiar. But there's a dude in armor that can fly and shoot missiles and repulsor rays. Great! Now I'm ready. Bring on the big green guy. Yeah. Bring on a dude with a a really tough, you know, uh, garbage can lid uh, who's slightly stronger and faster than us, and dresses in a flag. And I'm down for all that shit. <laughs> they could have started with Captain America the First Avenger and I would have been absolutely ecstatic. That was another good
1: origin story. Oh
0: man. Because you know what? Uh, And Feige tends to be good at it, even though people do rankle at the kind of, you know, um, quality control they do there, Mm -hmm. the demands they make of the creatives, but they found the right people and they found the right tone. It's like these movies don't have to all be the same. Yeah, Are there little jokes in Captain America First Avenger? Yes, and they land really well, but the whole movie feels completely different than Iron Man because they're going for a 40s kind of idealism uh, and they play it slightly pulpy, which is perfect. Uh, it's a little cheesier, but so is Cap. It's like, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. kind of movie he should have. Yeah, The Hulk, actually, the Incredible Hulk is, I, I really like it too. I mean, I think the effects are what sink it. But I thought that's how you do a Hulk story in, uh, in progress, because it's not the origin film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you're seeing what you want from a Hulk story, which is this poor, tortured guy trying to protect everybody and basically hating himself because of what he's become. Yet every now and then is forced to use the monster inside. Great. It's also was very good. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's such
0: a it's such a great
1: there's, you know, homage, you know, it's almost sort of understated homage to the the Bill Bixby series.
0: Well, the, the whole origin sequence is just over the credits and it's done in these like little bitty short pieces that make it look like it could be connected to even the Eric Bana film or the Bill Bixby TV series or the comic. It's like it could be all of them except for there is no running out into the desert to stop a kid who's playing a a harmonica (laughs) trying to save a kid from a bomb blast. That's never been in the live action. That's a shame. Rick Jones really got shafted in the MCU. But anyway, um, but yeah, they have the whole thing where he's in the, uh, that weird chair and the little, the, the target light on his uh, forehead, just like Bill Bixby. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All I can watch long. that again.
1: It's been a while. Didn't you, did you
0: actually use some of the,
1: the Lonely Man theme from uh Yes? From this from the show. Yes. Yeah, they did. Yeah.
0: And of course, it's got uh oh, guest appearances from Stan and Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Both of whom I think it's hilarious. They're both security guards at the same campus building. And I love the idea of an eighty some odd year old campus guard and this huge dude, and they're their partners. I'm gonna stay here. i, I- I'll go check this out. It's like, (laughs) uh, uh. Um, but it's pretty good. Highly recommended. Hey guys, this is where you come for the really good recommendations. We here at PSAPs recommend you watch the MCU. (laughs) You may not have heard of this, but there are a lot of good superhero projects they have made. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yes. Okay. Uh let's wrap up and again uh you stay cool, man. I'll try. Down there in Texas cooking cooking eggs on the sidewalk. What have I told you about doing that? I I told you not to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So bye everybody. Bye, Chad. Bye, Brendan. We'll see <laughs> you again soon. Okay. <laughs> Yeah.